The anointing is here. It's different this morning. So we have to change the order of service because we have to flow with that anointing and not just do what is normal. So just have your seat. Peter, play that prophetic word. We're changing it up this morning because I feel the Holy Ghost would be grieved if I do the regular thing. So just play that word. Maboba sike no shta ba nishte ko basupa niti ko pa ma indo. Pause. This is Tuesday morning prayer last week, and the Lord spoke to me while Taylor was praying, and He said, "When He stops praying, speak forth in tongues, and interpret, son, for I desire to speak to the church." So this is what you're hearing, and I need. Then we'll then we'll tell you why. Go ahead. Four, 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 says the Lord, it is even like the wall. It is even like the wall. The wall to be built. Nehemiah's wall. And I am calling workers. I'm calling ones with the trowel and with the sword who will work and who will watch. And yes, there are voices. There are voices of the sand ballot. There are voices of the enemy trying to stop, trying to threaten, trying to intimidate, trying to distract, trying to tire. But send out the call, son. As you've been doing in this prayer meeting and as you're doing in the preaching, send out the call into the spirit. Call for them to come and gather themselves at the sound of the trumpet to you. No sash to for there are more. Oh, there are more than you know. There are more than you see right now with your eyes. There are more than you see, and there are more than you know that my spirit already has been dealing with. There are more than you see, and there are more than your membership roles reveal at this moment that I've been dealing with already by my spirit. Now give the call, call to them, call to them in the spirit and prayer and call to them in the sermons. Call to them, let the trumpet sound be made and I will begin a great gathering process. I will gather them to where you are. I will gather them for the work. I will gather them for the building of the wall. I will gather those that are skillful with the trowel and skillful with the sword, skillful with the work in the natural and the supply of the natural and skillful with watching and warring in the spirit. I will gather those that are skillful and they will come to you from the left and to the right, from, the, from before and behind. They will come to you from all corners. They will come. They will come for the work is great. They will come for the work is great and it is my work. Did not I say to you through your father, did not I say that I have been longing, endeavoring to do a work in this city for over a hundred years? Have I not told you that? Did I not say that through the prophet? Did I not say that I've been endeavoring to do something in this city for many years, and yet many have stood in the way and many have aborted what I've tried to start? But I put this mantle on you for a reason, not because you're perfect, far from it, 
but simply because you're willing to be used and you're willing to get out of the way so that I can have my way. So give the call, son. Call to them in the spirit by your praying. Call to them in the natural by your preaching. And watch who I touch hearts. For there are many that I am dealing with that you do not even yet know and that have never darkened the door of this church yet. But I will bring them. For the work is great and their supply is needed. No <laughs> Only be bold. I say unto you, be bold like Nehemiah was bold. Be bold when they say, come down to this place and let us talk to you in the valley of Ono. Say no, for the work is great and I will not. I know the traps that you have set. Be bold. Be spirit led and be bold like Nehemiah was bold. Give the call boldly, not ashamedly, not out of fear, not worrying what they're going to think. Be bold in the call. Your job, son, is to be bold. My job is to gather them. And I am touching hearts. And I am knitting hearts. And I am revealing hearts. For the work is great. The work is great. But the supply, the supply has been provided already by my hand. Now just call to it in the spirit, in your prayers, and in the natural with your preaching. And I will bring them. I will bring them. I will bring them. I will bring them. For the prophet, the prophet stood in this sanctuary and glimpsed into the future. Yes, I took him there for a moment of time and he stood in that new sanctuary and he looked around and he saw its design and its grandeur and its greatness and he spoke what he saw. And then before that, when he was in the restaurant, I opened his eyes in the spirit and he beheld the horizon and he saw the clouds. He saw the clouds of glory. He saw the lightnings and the thunders. And he said, oh, I see the glory. I see the glory. It's on the horizon. I see the glory. And it shall be in this house. And it shall be in this house. And it shall be called the glory center. For the glory of God will be in this house. Yes, I spoke to him. Yes, I took him to that sanctuary. In your mind cannot wrap around how it's going to happen. But I never asked you to figure out how it's going to happen. Like I never asked the people of Samaria to figure out how the bread was going to be pennies on the dollar the next day. I asked them to agree with the prophet. I asked them to agree with the word of the Lord. And it's my job to do the miracle to cause it to come to pass. So I'm asking you to agree that the glory center would be a reality. I'm asking you to agree that it would be raised up for a place of my glory in this city in the latter days and in the last day great revival. Agree with me and let me perform the work. You pour the water into the pots and let me turn it into wine. For it will surely come to pass. Even as I said to the prophet, it will. As I showed Pastor Nancy, the prophetess, the new building is coming and to take your affection off this one. As I've shown you, the pastor of this church, and spoken to you much about the future and about the timeline and about the building and about its timing, I have said much. Your job is to agree. It is not to try to figure it out. In the name of Jesus. So, Father, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. 
I agree with you. I cooperate with you. Let it be for your glory and for your magnificence. For Father, you know that in my own ability and in my own business acumen, I do not know how to do this. But Lord, I know that you know. I know that you can do this. I know that you can end the siege of Samaria for us. I know that angel armies can go before us like they did those four lepers. I know that miracles of finances can happen and will happen. I know that you're building an army to build the wall with me. I know that you're knitting hearts as the call goes forth. So Father, we agree with you and we cooperate that it will surely come to pass. In the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And I give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Can you just flow with me this morning instead of having to always do the same rigid routine? Because the, the flow of the Spirit is different this morning. I'll grieve him if we do the offering and the announcements and all that stuff. Because this morning he came on me, just came on me again as I was listening to that. And I didn't know this, Jennifer, until this morning after you had already left the house. And he just spoke to me again right there as I was listening. And he said that attack, that heavy attack that started in 2021, early, 20, early 2021, early last year, you know, after that mantle came. Uh, we, we, we know that there's been a, such a withstanding in so many different arenas. But uh, not just COVID, I mean in other arenas as well. But, uh, but he said to me this morning, he said that, uh, that attack, he said, just as the greatest threat to a newborn child, a pregnancy, if the devil can get the mother in the very early stages to abort, the mother feels better about it. But once that starts to form, there's less chance of an abortion. I'm just saying and that's how he said it to me. Most women are not going to get an abortion six months in. But when that baby's small, and that baby is just as much a baby, whether it's six weeks old or six months old, there's still a spirit in that spark of life. And, and so it's still wrong. But I heard him say, there is a greater threat to that child's existence in the early stages of the forming if the enemy can get that mother to abort. And he said to me, in the early stages of the mantle, which started, really, I mean, the mantle came December 12, 2020. So 2021 is the early stages of the mantle. He said, in the early stages, there, is a great, there has been a great attack. Now, he said, you've noticed it lessening this year? He said, because there was, a, there was an intensified attack last year, and there was. Remember, he said those waters of Jordan would be both an obstacle. There was obstacles. There was revelation, but a lot of obstacles. It represented a barrier to Elisha. And, so, and there was a lot of barrier. There was a lot of withstanding. There was a lot of attack. But he said to me this morning, he said, that came in the early stages of the forming of this plan to try and knock you out of the race entirely, to try to get you to abort this thing entirely. Huh. Now, I know that sounds simple to you, but I've been saying to God for months, Lord, what, 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 why is there so, what, what is why? And, and, and now he's answered that, honey. It's because there's something about the early stages. He didn't say that there wouldn't be an attack continued through, because now in society, you can, you can kill the baby in New York after it's born. It's ridiculous. What kind, of, what kind of monsters are these? A precious baby can come out and the doctor then kill it? What kind of, an, what kind of animalistic society are we living in? 
But the point is, is that in natural realm, there's a threat to that child's life all the way through, even after it manifests or is born. And there's a threat. The devil has a threat against the plan all the way through, right even after we're in that new building. But there is an especially dangerous threat at the very early stages. So he said to me, you got through that. 2021 represented that early stage. And he said, you've got through that and you got through it in victory. But then he said, he came on me both at home and also right here. I felt that anointing come on me real strong. And he said, all, are you listening to me? He said, all of this, all of this attack is because of, now listen, he, he loves the international works and all of that, that apostolic flow is so important. I'm not lessening that. But he said to me, he said to me, he said, the reason there is this assault, the reason is because of the glory center. Now, if you had asked me that last night, I would have said, well, I think the glory center is important and I think our international works are important and everything's equalized in my mind because both international and domestic are important and we have to fulfill it all. But he said to me this morning that this is an assignment against what happened in the chop house. In the chop house restaurant there on, on Argentia and Mississauga Road area, I sat there on the little raised area at the back of the restaurant. I remember the table I was at, it was the furthest one on the right, and I'm facing into the restaurant, and Randy's opposite me, Jenny's beside me, he's facing, there's a window behind me looking out into the city. And his eyes changed, he had this look that came over his face, and I know, the same doctor had the same thing come over him so many times when I was with him. That's that prophet's office. And I see his eyes kind of turned, and and I could see, I thought, I nudged Jenny because I, He's seeing into the realm of the spirit. He's having an open vision. He's having the operation of the discerning of spirits operating right now in front of us. And he saw into that realm, not just this realm, but that realm. He was looking into an invisible realm, but his eyes were open. My eyes were not. He was looking past us out the window, but he wasn't looking at the scenery out the window. He was looking into that realm of spirits. And he said, I see it on the horizon. I see it on the horizon. He said, clouds are beginning to form. Black clouds, storm clouds, but not a storm in a negative way, but they are storm clouds of glory. I see them on the horizon. Yes, glory, glory is coming to this city. It's coming, and then he paused and he said, I see it, it shall be called the glory center for what God will do in this city. A big part will be in that church. It will be in your church and it will be called the glory center for the glory of God is going to come amongst men. That was a very holy experience and God did it at a very unusual time. You'd think he'd do it while he's in behind the pulpit, but he did it in a restaurant because God is not bound by what we think is appropriate or not. But I'm telling you that, and then late, you know, whatever it was, years later, really, he came and he was standing right there in front of where Greg is, and he stepped over into another realm, and he stepped into the future. I can't explain it in my mind, but he stepped into the future, but into another building, and he was no longer in, he was here, his body was here, but in the spirit, I don't understand all of that, but I guess God can take you into the future without a DeLorean at 88 miles per hour. They didn't get that. And he saw that building and he saw what it looked like and he saw, he saw the stage. He told me afterward and exactly how he said it is how I had planned to build it anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
And he said he saw it all and he saw the chairs and he, and he said, that, he said that was the glory center. He said, I stood in the glory center. Now the Lord was dealing with me recently. He said, this assignment, there's an assignment. You overcame the most treacherous threat to the earlier part of that assignment, which was 2021. It wanted to take us out, but it didn't work. And even the enemy used, now listen, I'm not correcting anybody, but you better listen to me. The enemy tried to use a dissension within our own church in November of last year because of the vaccine and all these services. And whether or not I handled everything perfectly, it is your responsibility to flow with me and not withstand me. Because your job is to pray for me, not call me up on the phone and tell me you disagree with me. That is inappropriate, and God was very displeased with certain people that did that. And I won't obviously say who they were, but they know who they were. And I'm just saying, if should ever that happen again, don't, don't, get, into, don't get into a withstanding spirit against your pastor. Because God is displeased with that. Even if I'm not perfect, and even if I don't make every right decision, it is not your place to rebel. Pastor Nancy may not always make the right decision, but I don't rebel against her. And if I disagree, I go quiet. Because whatever it is that she might not, I might not see eye to eye or her and her with, it is not large enough to uproot me from her as my spiritual mother. Because the only way that'll happen is if there is false doctrine and outright unrepentant sin in her life. Anything short of false doctrine and unrepentant sin, you do not, you do not withstand. You do not. You, you, you go quiet and you pray that that leader will get the understanding that they need. You do not withstand them with your words or with your silence or with your lack of support for the local church. I'm, I'm just, it has to be said, and I wasn't planning on saying that, but I heard the Holy Ghost say it's different flow today. I heard him say, now you say that out because some of them still have not repented of that. Some in this room that have withstood me have come to me and repented and others have sit here today. You're sitting here right now and you are still not repented for what you said. And if I were you, I would repent. Because if I ever withstood my pastor, it wouldn't take me this long to repent. There was a treacherous moment there where this church was threatened. But all of that was part of this first year assignment and assault. And there's other assignments and assaults in different years, but last year's was extra treacherous and we made it through. But why, Jenny? I, I didn't really know it definitively until this morning when he spoke to me at home and then when he spoke to me again when I was listening to that recording. Why is that? Because there is something so magnificent about what is coming specifically with the glory center. And the glory of God is going to come into that place. I'm telling you, it's going to come into that place. And all he needs is my agreement and my cooperation. He doesn't need my smarts. He doesn't need my wits. He doesn't need me to have a, an MBA. He doesn't need me to have rich friends. He doesn't need me to know how to maneuver and manipulate and pad and this and that. He doesn't need any of that. He just needs my agreement and my cooperation. But guess what, my brothers and sisters? He needs your agreement and he needs your cooperation. Because with your agreement and cooperation, he can do mighty things. And I'm telling you, yes, there's going to be a certain thing. He hasn't talked to me. He didn't talk to me today about the international, but he just, so I'm not, I'm not lessening that in any way. I'm just saying he, he's not, he's not, he wasn't talking about that today. He was saying this work, this, this new building, which is not in some ways that important, but it is important because this new building represents something to God as the Jerusalem years that are coming upon us and as a, a housing place for this last day, great revival and a place where the 
glory of God can come. It's a building that he has put his fingerprint on, that he has put his hand on, and it's important to him that it comes to pass. It's very important to him that it comes to pass. It's important for the city that it comes to pass. It's important for revival that it comes to pass. Because he's doing something in the city. And he's been endeavoring, he said through Dr. Dufresne, more than once from this pulpit. For over a hundred years I've been trying, but every time I try, people get in my way. So I'm not using you because you're perfect, but I'm using you because you agreed and because you're willing to let me do things my way. Because if it was up to me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't extend my faith for all this stuff. I would just say, Lord, let's just stay with this building. It's good enough. But there's something that God has that I don't fully understand or know. But I'm telling you, this assignment, this attack is because of that, 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 that next phase, that Jerusalem season. He's attacking the Hebron season because the Jerusalem season is coming. And he sees what's coming. And I'm telling you, when the... When the glory of God shows up, when miracle signs and wonders show up, we're seeing a measure of them now, but they're not for now the same way. I know that's hard for people to grasp because, well, shouldn't the power of God always be for now? Yes, in some ways, generally, it's always for now. But there are seasons. There was a revival that came called the healing revival where it didn't come before and it stopped after a certain number of years, but there was something in the atmosphere. And there was a teaching revival. There was something in the atmosphere. And there was a, a charismatic revival. And there was something in the atmosphere. There were times that God did special things. This is not yet the time for him to do these special things. This is a time of preparation. This is a time of getting ready. This is a time of birthing it in the spirit. He did special things with that rain with Elijah. But he had to birth it in with his head between his knees before that could happen. Before he could run faster than the chariot, he had to birth it. We're in a season of birthing. We're in a season of preparation. We're in a season of being cleaned. We're in a season of getting our wineskins made new. Because you pour new glorious wine into an old beaten down wineskin with wrong thinking and secret sins and ungodly lifestyles, that wine will destroy us. The glory can't come until the wineskin is renewed. It's not as much about the building. That's just a physical structure to house us. But he is dealing with your, your house and your house and your house and my house as well as the physical house. So that when the individual houses are ready and the physical larger house comes available, all of a sudden there's going to be an outpouring of God. I'm telling you there's going to be an outpouring of God, Jenny. It's going to be, it's going to be more glorious than anything that we've ever seen. And I'm not just hyping it up as a false advertisement. That's what I hear the Spirit say. And when I doubt it, I listen to Dr. Dufresne and he says the same thing. And then I listen to Pastor Nancy when she gets in the Spirit and she says the same thing. And then I hear Brother Copeland and I go back and listen to Brother Hagen and they said the same thing. There is going to be one more revival before the rapture and it will be greater than all the three revivals put together. It will be what William Branham said, every revival that's ever been seen since the book of Acts will be poured out upon the earth like a bomb. He said it will be like a bomb and it will rock and reel the nations. And people be translated and disappear on television, on primetime news. They'll be there and they'll disappear and be found elsewhere. Bies will come back in sockets. Arms will grow out on CNN. That's what William Branham the prophet said and it will surely come to pass. But God can't do that through dirty people. People that are watching things they shouldn't, withstanding their pastor, being rebellious, not tithing, living in sin, living half-hearted, won't come to church because they want to sit in their pajamas and watch it on live stream. Yeah, I'm talking to you. 
goodness sakes, I'm fed up with it. The Holy Ghost is fed up with it. This is his anointing, not me. It is his anointing. There's still some that listen to your family members tell you you can't come to church. Get a spine. There's still some of you that won't come because your boss is afraid. Get a spine. The Muslims have more of a spine than you do. They say, I will go to the mosque and you're not going to say anything about it. And the boss backs down. But you won't do that for your Jesus, will you? Oh, no, because you're afraid for your job. And you're afraid for your internship. It's disgusting to God. How's he going to pour out glory like this when we got people that are so dishonorable? Well, he just, they're going to lose your seat. That's all. You lose your seat. God bring people that are hungry. God bring people that are hungry and that are right. And he will. He will vindicate me, so help me God. You get offended and you want to leave the church? Go leave the church. My job is not to please you. I'm stroking this way and you've gone the wrong way and now you want me to change my method of stroking so your fur doesn't get ruffled. Your job is to turn around, not change my preaching. Not change the flow and the doctrine of God. Your job is to adjust, not my job to change the way I preach. I'm serious. That's what turns people into secret sensitive churches. Oh, don't say that, Pastor. Oh, don't talk about tithing. Oh, don't say I can't have sex before marriage. Oh, don't say about this because it might offend my friend and it offends my sensitivities. So you change the way you preach and adjust the way you stroke me on Sunday morning. No, no, no. I keep my preaching the same and the word the same. You turn around and change your life. If you're watching and you're offended with me, it shows that you're wrong. Because if you're right, you'd be cheering on and say, preach it, preacher. God said to me this morning, he said, the anointing is going to be different. I just thought he meant I'd tell a couple more jokes. I didn't mean he meant, I didn't know he meant this. But I heard him say, when I got up here, I heard him say, no order of service this morning. You preach. I need people to hear what I'm saying. Because there's a glory that is coming to this city. There's a glory that is coming to this city. And I say it, and I prophesy it, and I decree it, and I proclaim it. There is a glory that is coming to this city. It is coming to darken Toronto. It is coming in power. It is coming in majesty. It is coming with power, and it is coming with angels. And it will not be withstood. It will not be withstood. It will not be held back, and it will not be aborted. Because I, for one, say yes, sir. Amen. So be it. Have your way. I agree. I cooperate. And Father, I know this people say the same thing. And if they don't want to say the same thing, then bring me one's father that will. For we are a phalanx of troops that are facing great opposition, but you will have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He said to me, to turn, he, <laughs> he said to me after that prophetic word, because I saw, he t- I saw Nehemiah, I saw the wall. In that prophetic word, you heard me say that. And he said, be bold in your trumpet blowing. Be bold in your calling the people. And then he said, now go back to that. So I, I went back to April the 28th, last year, Wednesday night, I preached a sermon on, on Nehemiah. And there was a strong anointing, different to today, much stronger today than then, but it was still a strong anointing. And so I said, Peter, send me that sermon. I'm going to re-preach that sermon. So I'm listening, and about 20 minutes in, 25 minutes into the hour and eight minutes of that sermon, I heard the Holy Ghost say, turn it off. 
I said, but Lord, I'm writing notes on this. He said, I don't want you to re-preach something. I want to show you something new. So I turned off the recording and I opened up my Bible and I started to read and it's the same categories that I preached last April, but he gave me some differences in there. He gave me some ways to explain it better than I did back then. So would you look at chapter four of Nehemiah? Are you still with me? I'm not upset. Some people don't understand the anointing. They think I'm upset. I'm not upset at all. I I was in a good mood. I wanted to tell jokes today and order pizza. I'm not upset. But sometimes that God himself, you know what the the word anointing means In in the Hebrew, it means to paint God upon a human. God paints a little bit of himself on me. And if if I'm saying it under the anointing, it means that God is saying it through me to you. Especially when it's like that and you know that's not necessarily my personality. So there's an aggression sometimes, pay attention to that. There's an urgency, pay attention. There's a rebuke, pay attention to that. You want your life and business to be best, pay attention. Humble yourself and keep your heart right. Those of you watching, if if, if you're not making right decisions, then change. There's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the spirit and not the flesh. Now, if you're in the flesh, you should be condemned. But there's only no condemnation when you walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit means obeying the Holy Ghost. That means obeying the word. The word says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. That's the word. So if, you're, if, you're, if you say, well, the Holy Ghost is not leading me to gather. Well, it's impossible to say that because the Holy Ghost doesn't violate the Bible. And Hebrews 10, 25 tells you to gather. So just humble yourself and make the adjustment. Don't get offended. Because you're the only, listen, I don't think people realize it. Greg, I'm going to be fine. I don't think people realize that. The Lord warned me. I'm a little bit of a different cat this morning. The Lord warned me. He said there's going to be less than ever before in pastor appreciation this year. And sure enough, maybe 51% of the congregation honored me. And I know because I know how many people are in the church and I know how many people gave. And then I know how many people gave that didn't put their name on it, which is fine. But I still had everything up, 51%. He said to me that normally there's 60%. He said there'll be less this year. He said because the enemy is working on people against you, son. The enemy is working on people against you. And so when it comes to honor the office, many of them don't want to participate in that. But now, now, hold on a second. I want you to listen. I'm not whining. I'm just telling you the facts. Because some people think that everybody is honorable and you're not. Every time I see Pastor Nancy, it's Pastor Appreciation. I don't ever see her face. I'm not telling you to do that because it's different with you. You see me two, three, four times a week. I see her three, four times a year. It's different. I'm not equating it. I'm saying, but I don't see her face without bringing her an offering. Because that's called honor. And God told me if you occupy the place I've given you with her with honor, that place will grow. But he said to me, there'll be less than ever before. And I said... Okay. He said, because it's an attack. I said, okay. He said, but with the ones that do give, I'm going to bless you with more money than you had last year. I thought, well, I don't know how that's possible. But sure enough, with the least amount of gifts ever in the history of our church, exceeded the highest offering that we've ever received. The highest offering. Why? Because God, listen to me, I'm going to be taken care of anyway. I don't think people, they think I'm manipulating. And then he said to me, as, as I felt the bit of the, the sadness and a little bit of the rejection, because I know that not everybody's honorable, but, but I was writing out the names and I was 
thanking God for the ones that had shown honor. And I heard him say, is this as loud as I'm talking to you? He said, now finally, son, you understand what the apostle Paul meant. And he quoted me a verse. And Paul said, he said, I do not desire you to give me money. He said the word gift, but in one translation it says, I did not desire for you to give me a financial gift. I desire that fruit would abound to your account. And, I've, and he said, now finally you understand that verse. You don't, you don't want their money. You don't need their money because you know I'm going to take care of you anyway. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of anyway. But it's, you understand now it's not about manipulating them for money or for a gift. It's you're trying to get them to understand honor because honor opens doors honor unlocks gates honor causes the raise and the new business and the new client honor causes God's hand to rest upon you when the woman honored the prophet the son was raised People don't understand. I'm not wanting your money. I'm trying to get you, you to abound. I want you to be blessed. Do you understand? Do you understand? And I'm I'm glad the Lord is saying, I would never say this on my own, but I know the Holy Ghost and I heard him say, you say it now. I'm so glad you're saying it now, Lord, now that it's over. I don't have that. Now they got 11 and a half months. I don't have to try to make them think I'm manipulating this a month before the next pastor appreciation. I say it once and I shut my mouth. But a crimpled $5 bill, when I know you make six figures, when you have one chance to honor and honor, I don't want your money, but I want your honor because it's opening a door for you. I'm going to be taken care of it. If there was one person, God would have touched that one person to make sure that I'm taken care of. I'm not after money. But, but, but it's amazing to me how people that, that I know they make very good salaries, they have one chance a year to show honor, not for me personally, that's a birthday, but for an office. And they put a crumpled $20 bill. I don't... It's better you don't give it. Because it's more dishonorable to give that than it is to give nothing. I, I can, I, are you, my God, see, I, I could never say these things if the anointing wasn't on me because I would be so petrified that people would misunderstand my heart. But I'm telling you the truth about it. I'm trying to get you to understand honor. I don't want your money. I don't care about your money. But sometimes that is reflected in that. And I'm going to be fine anyway. <laughs> and I give a lot of what comes in a way. Plus I tithe. I give, I give a lot of it to Pastor Nancy. I give a lot of it away. It's not about me being selfish. I'm trying to train you to be honorable. It's a training. A child doesn't know how to be honorable. My sons don't understand this until I say, go to your piggy bank, and I'm going to give you a choice. It's $5, $10, or $20, whatever you want, but you're going to give mommy something for Mother's Day. And you're taking out of your piggy bank and you're writing this card for her because you're, I'm teaching you that honor connects to finances. Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. Honor is not just words. Honor is action. Honor is money. Where your heart is, your treasure is right there. So if your heart is with the local church, you'll tithe. If your heart is with your pastor, you'll honor when you have opportunities to honor. Do you understand? People say he's frugal. That's a nice way of saying cheap. I'm tired of it. 
frugal, whatever. That's like saying somebody's portly, when really what you want to say is you're fat as a house. No, let's not be cheap. I'm not talking about me anymore. I'm talking about God's house. I'm talking about offerings in God's house. I'm talking about God's house. Let's not be cheap in God's house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I know, I know that there's a bit of shaking going on. I understand that. But you, let me tell you, the Bible says, whatever will be shaken, shall be shaken. You read Hebrews 13. Whatever will be shaken, shall be shaken. If I can shake you, if the Holy Ghost, because it's not me, believe me, I'm going to have to take Xanax when I get to the back room today or, or something. I don't know, because I'm going to get back there. When this lifts off me, I'm going to go, OMG, what did I do? But I'm telling you, when God comes on me, there's a boldness to say things I would never normally say, ever. But if, I, if the anointing can shake you, <laughs> if you're, what can be, you shouldn't be shaken. You can make adjustments and repent, but shaken means you, you, you're, you're knocked out of the race. If the anointing and what is spoken can knock you out, you were never really worthy of being in it anyway. You've got to guard your heart. And you got to make, you got to decide. Lord, if there, if there has to be shaken, every time I go on that master class with Pastor Nancy, because God knows what she's going to say. Or if she's going to call me out or you out or somebody out or just give a general correction. And I always guard my heart and say, Father, whatever is said, I know the anointing, she, she, it may come across bold, but I know that you're doing it for my good. So I receive it. I prepare my heart to receive it before she even says it. I do that with every service I go into or there. Before you come on Sunday morning, if you were smart, you would say, Father, no matter what comes out by the anointing today, I open my heart and I prepare to receive it. Because you chasten those you love. And it's not all marshmallows and chocolate ice cream. Sometimes there is a little bit of a, of a disciplinary time because God is trying to change the way you think. You don't come to church to feel good. You come to church to change the way you think so that you can be victorious in this earth. Do not be conformed to the world's way of thinking like most churches think like the world does. But be ye transformed, Romans 12, 2, by the renewing, the renewing of your mind. Gifts don't renew your mind. The presence of God doesn't renew your mind. Those things refresh you and help you. What changes your thinking is inspired preaching based on God's word. That's what changes your mind. Are you, are you with me? Praise God. So just make that adjustment. Make that adjustment. Praise God, Jennifer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you, Jennifer, for saying that. Because if you said, honey, please, well, well then, then I would obey you. Because sometimes I, I question myself. But I, I, know when the, I know when the Holy Ghost is here and when he's not. And I know that he, he wants this today. He wants people to understand about honor. So, Nehemiah, real quick now. We have to go fast. You've taken a lot of time away from the sermon. Now, I've got to read it from the Amplified because I think the, the regular one is a little bit challenging to understand as easily. So the Amplified of Nehemiah, praise God, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. But when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and in a great rage, and he ridiculed the Jews. And he said before his brethren and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things at will and by themselves? Will they try to bribe their God with sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing they are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him, and he said, What they build, 
If a fox climbs upon it, he will break down their stone wall. Foxes are known to be extremely light on their feet. What he's saying is the slightest challenge is going to knock all their efforts down. And Nehemiah prayed, hear, O my God, for we are despised. Turn their taunts upon their own heads and give them for a prey in the land of their captivity. Cover not their, listen, this is a, this is a fierce prayer. Cover not their sin. Cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you. For they have vexed with alarm the builders and they have provoked you. When people stand against the work, not only do they vex the people working, but they vex God. They provoke God. Just get in line with what God is doing in your life and the church that you're planted in. Just get in line with it. Because you don't want to be one that said that you're provoking God. So we built the wall and all of it was joined together to half its height. For the people had a heart and a mind to work. Congregation, do you have a heart and a mind to work? Because if you do, we're going to get this done. We're all going to come together and bring our offerings for the special annual projects. All the next number of years, we're going to bring our offerings and we're going to get that new building. And we're going to evangelize and bring people to church and love people and witness to people and grow and pray and bring all the kinds of supply that God's asked us to. But if we have a mind and a heart to work, this thing will get done. But the people, notice Nehemiah could not do this on his own. He needed the people to have a heart and a mind. I'm asking you to have a heart and a mind to work. Even on this May 2-4 weekend when a lot of people are away, I understand that, but I'm trusting that they're going to watch this by live stream afterward. God is asking for a people with a heart and a mind to work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabians, Ammonites, and Ashdodites saw, heard the walls of Jerusalem were going up, the breaches were being closed, they were very angry. And they plotted all together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to injure and cause confusion and failure in it. But because of them, we made our prayer to God and set a watch against them. Actually, the King James says that they made plans at night to come and slay them, which means they were coming to kill them. They were going to come in the darkness of night like a sneaky ninja attack and actually kill the workers. This is a very serious threat. But because of them, we made our prayer to God and set a watch against them. You see, he didn't just pray. He did something in the natural. A lot of people just pray. No, no, you got to do something in the natural. Lord, I need money, so I pray. But then you sit eating Cheetos. No, go get your resume done. Go put your resume out. Give God something that he can bless. He can't bless laziness. He can't bless no action. Give him something he can work with. So they prayed and then they set a guard and they said, hey, keep an eye out for these scumbags. You got it? What scripture are we on? Nine. But because of them, we made our prayer to God and set a watch against them day and night. And the leaders of Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is weakening and there is much rubbish. We're not able to work on the wall. And our enemy said they will not know or see till we come up in their midst and kill them and stop the work. And when the Jews who lived near them came, they said unto us 10 times, you must return to guard our little villages from all places where they dwell. They will be upon us. So the people have to go in the little villages and sleep at night and they're worried about the threats of death. 
So I set armed men behind the wall in places where it was the least protected. And I even thus used the people as families with their own swords, spears, and bows. He armed the people. I looked over them and rose up and said to the nobles and the officials and the other people, do not be afraid of the enemy. Earnestly remember the Lord and imprint him on your minds, great and terrible. And take from him courage to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when our enemies heard that their plot was known to us and that God had frustrated their purpose, we were all returned to the wall, everyone to his work. You see, there's interruptions. That's what we're in a season of, this little interruptions. And from that time forth, half of my servants worked at the task and the other half held spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind all the house of Judah. Those who built the wall and those who bore burdens loaded themselves so that everyone worked with one hand. He held a weapon. We worked with one hand and held the weapon with the other hand. <laughs> There's a duality. I am... Are you listening to me? Yes. I am bringing natural supply. Yes. And I'm bringing spiritual supply. Yes. I'm watching and protecting yes. this work. That's the weapon. That's the weapons of the spirit. Our weapons are not natural. But mighty in God, our fight is in prayer and in the spirit. But they also were holding a trowel. They were holding things to do natural things. I don't just need you to pray. I need you to come. I don't just need you to pray and hold a weapon. I need you to help me build the wall with your supply of the natural, with your ministry of helps, with your tithes and offerings, with your attendance, with your evangelism. I need you to do these things. Because they did the natural, Jenny, and they watched to fight, which represents the spiritual. Because in the New Testament, our fight is not in the natural. So the fight represents the spiritual realm. But the work is still in the New Testament like it was in the old. The natural work realm. People have got to do things and people have got to bring a spiritual thing as well. Oh, you see that? You see the balance there? And every builder had a sword girded by his side. That's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So they worked. And he who sounded the trumpet was by my side. Oh, my God. Now, the Lord said this to me. I want to read you verse uh, that, that again. It says, he that blew the trumpet was by my side. And the Lord said to me, I want you surrounding yourselves with people that can blow. Amen. Notice that around Nehemiah was people, the man with the trumpet, the one with skill to sound. Yeah. He didn't surround himself with doubters. He didn't surround himself with people that were questionable. He surrounded himself with trumpeters. The ones that could blow, in other words, that could sound the alarm, that could, in other words, communicate to the people. The trumpet was his form of communication. Nehemiah put around him people that could communicate to the masses what was in his heart. The Lord's been dealing with me. He said, I want you, I want you to have people around you more in a closer leadership area around you more that, are, that have an ability and a skill and anointing to communicate to the congregation. Because you don't want around yourself people that, that, that hardly agree or that are afraid or that keep saying, well, what about this and what about that? And what if they come and kill us? No, no, no. He, he, he just said, you know how to communicate? You know how to blow? You stand right with me. We need that in this church. More people that can blow the trumpet. Let me read verse 14 again. And I looked 
from the King James and rose up and said to the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people, all, everyone, I'm saying it to you today. God's saying it to you. Be not afraid of them. These troubles at work, these troubles with people, this, this society, and they say the COVID thing going up again, whatever, do not be afraid. There's something greater at work here than just what the news says. There's something greater at work than your vacation, and there's something greater at work than an election. This, the, God is trying to build something for His glory. The glory is going to come to this city. Amen. I didn't ask God to use us for it, but for some reason He chose us. Amen. So we better say yes. Amen. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. I like that. I mean, he, he's making God Tyrone sound like God is so much stronger. He is awesome. He is to be feared. <laughs> we look at God just like he's a puffball sometimes. God, yes, he's our daddy, our Abba Father. But to the sinner, he's a great dread champion. To the devil, he's a devouring fire. We need to remind ourselves when we are being attacked, when we are being threatened, when in your private life or against this ministry, when things come, we need to remind ourselves of the greatness and the terribleness and the awesomeness and the fearfulness of our God, who is God and he will not let things destroy us. I like the way he said that. He didn't just say he talked about his loving qualities. He talked about his warring qualities. Do you see that? Remember, remember the Lord. Remember what he's done for you. Remember how he delivered you. He is great and terrible and fight. He didn't talk about God fighting. He talked about you fighting. You don't be afraid. You remember that God is with you and you fight. And that's what I felt this prophetic word. God wanted me to share it today. I shared a lot of things I didn't plan on sharing, but anyway, that's fine. But the point of this message today is to remind you there is a wall being built. There is a glory center coming and there is glory assigned for this city through our church. Not only our church, but through our church. We're not proud enough to think that we're the only ones, but God is certainly going to use us. I don't know who else he will use, but I know he's going to use us. I know we're going to be at the very center of it. You know why? Because Kenneth Hagin, three weeks before he died, for 45 minutes, put his hand around Randy Greer's shoulder at this hotel right here in Hilton when the lights went out in the city. And on one of those occasions, he said to him for 45 minutes, he talked to him about the end times. Randy still won't share a lot of what he said. But one of the things he said is, if you stay walking with God the way you are today, you will be right in the very center of the last day great revival. And when Randy came into our life, God said to me, Dr. Dufresne has gone home. Now I want you to be very close with him. Because if you stay close with him, you will be at the very center of this last day great revival. <laughs> so whether he likes me or not, he's stuck with me. He does like me, but, but he's stuck with me. I, stay, I honor his office, his prophet's office, and I stay close with him. Because he's going to be, Dad Hagen knew what he was talking. He was prophesying for the future as the greatest prophet on the earth at that time. And the greatest prophet said to a junior prophet, you're going to be right in the very middle of what Jesus is doing just before the rapture of the church. So I'm going to just pay attention and be very close to the one that's going to be in the middle. Because if I start getting off, he'll pull me back to the middle. Are you with me? Praise God. Hallelujah. Notice he says, you fight. You fight. Don't be afraid. Trust God. He's a great God. And you fight. Didn't say anything about God fighting. You fight. You do your part. Fight for your sons and your 
wives and your daughters and your brethren and your children and your houses. You do your part. My brother and sister, just do your part. Don't be afraid of society and all the stuff that's going on and all the white noise and all the voices. I'm telling you, as your Nehemiah, this is being built. The glory center is coming. Revival is coming. The rapture is coming. We're going to be right in the center of it. The glory is coming to this city as well as to the nations. We are going to be in the middle of it, but we are in a season of training and preparation. And I'm telling you, fight. Do not be afraid. Your God is great and terrible, and his word is true, and it will come to pass. Now fight. Fight to keep your mind sound. Fight for your children. Fight for your business. Fight in your faith to bring your tithes and your offerings. Fight to evangelize. Fight in the prayer closet. It's not time to sit back. It's time to rise up for the work is great. Hallelujah. The work is great. My God, the work is great. And the one that blew the trumpet stood beside me. Now verse 19. And I said unto the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people, and I'm saying this to you, the work is great. I didn't say it. God's word said it. The work that we're doing here, whether it looks great or not, do not judge the size of this congregation by whether the work is great or not. A lot of people have lots of people, but the reason they have lots of people is because they're wrong doctrine. And I'm not saying that everybody is like that, but I'm just saying it's not, don't judge your work by the size of the congregation because God said to me, the work is great. And I'm saying to you in verse 19, the work is great and large. And we, in other words, there's a lot to do. There's a lot for us to do, Jenny. And we are separated upon the wall one from another. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort he thither unto us for our God shall fight for us. Do you see what he says? I need you to catch this. He's saying, you fight. Now he's saying, when the call goes, if you don't get into unity, God can't help us. But if you will come into unity, it's not just your fight, but God will start to fight for you. But what was the requisite of God fighting? Unity. Unity. Gather. When the call goes, don't be a rebellious one and stay out there. Gather. When I ask you to come, come. Nehemiah says, when I ask you to come, come. Obey the word of the Lord. Stay in unity. Stay close. And when you do that, God's power will start to flow. And the Lord said, that is what I want you to tell the congregation. I want you to tell them that they have to release their faith. They have to fight. But if they will stay in unity with you, it's not just them using their faith. They use their faith so that my power can flow. Are you with me? You use your faith so God's power can flow. You fight so he can fight. But there was something in the middle, Pastor Happy. We always just preach, believe God and he'll manifest what you're believing. You believe and God will do it. You say God does. That's, that's the faith message. But now we see a little snippet in the middle here that a lot of people overlook. He's saying, you fight, or in other words, you release your faith. You do your part. And yes, God's power is going to come and fight for us. But there was something in the middle. He said, you got to stay with me. You've got to stay close. you got to stay in unity. You can't be a rebel. You can't stay out over yonder when I call you over here. You use your faith 
you stay close where God's planted you and God's power will manifest. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. You stay your fight. You're going to use your fight. I can't carry you. You've got to believe God yourself for some things. You've got to believe God yourself. I'll come in agreement if you ask me to individually. But as a general rule, I'm preaching the messages to you from this pulpit to give you tools so that you understand how faith and dominion works. Not so I can carry you, so that you can fight. Release your faith for your life. But stay in unity. Stay close. Stay where you're planted. Stay, 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 he said. Stay with me. Now, if you're using your faith and you stay in unity, what's going to happen? God himself will come upon the scene and he will deliver us. What you're using your faith for, he will manifest it for you. What we're using our faith for, he will manifest it for us. But there is a condition. Stay close. I didn't make this up. I didn't even see this. The last time I preached this, I don't really, I didn't really emphasize this the way I'm doing it this morning because I didn't even, Revelation is progressive. I didn't even see fully this the last time I preached it. I was just focusing on you fight and then God will fight. But he showed me something this morning because he said, turn off that recording. Open your Bible. I want to show you something fresh. The word is so fresh. They just have to re-preach a sermon. There's some muff new sermons in every scripture you can preach till Jesus comes. It's a living word. There's always life in it. It's alive. And I saw this. I'd never seen that quite before. He said, tell the people to do their part and believe. And tell them to stay close where I planted them. And then I will come on the scene. And I will fight for them. And I will cause them to prosper and then to increase and them to be healed and their children to be saved. I will help them and do things for them. But you tell them to fight. You tell them to stay in unity and then you tell them that I'm going to show up because of that unity and because they're in the right place at the right time and my power is going to start to move for them. It's not hard. It's right here in the word. Can you see it? Oh my God. In what place therefore you hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. My God, I love that scripture, Jenny. I'm not alone in this. It's not just about up to me. I've got God, Tyrone, on my side. God, Jenny, God, 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 God. Who holds the universe between his thumb and his little finger, the Bible says, in the span of his hand. That's six inches. He holds the universe. The closest star to our planet, which is the sun, is Alpha Proximus and Churi. Proximus and Churi, 4.3 light years away. Light travels at 300,000 kilometers a second. It takes 8.3 minutes for the light of the sun to get to the earth. If the sun blew up, we wouldn't know for 8.3 minutes. That's how fast light goes. In 8.3 minutes from here to the sun, our best spaceships can barely get to Mars, which is our closest pathetic planet. 8.3 minutes from the sun. We could never even reach the sun in a, in a hundred lifetimes on a spaceship. 4.3 light years. Not 8.3 minutes, 4.3 years. It takes light 4.3 years at 300,000 kilometers a second to get to our closest, closest, closest star. 
And there's a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And there's a hundred billion galaxies in the known universe. And scientists say we cannot understand it, but it keeps growing and expanding outward. Because when God said, light be, light continues to be. And a hundred billion galaxies with a hundred billion stars in each. He holds in six inches. I didn't make it up. The Bible says he holds the universe in the span of his hand. <laughs> when, when he says, God's going to fight for you. God, God is going to fight for you. At trillions of angels at his disposal. And he's going to fight for you. And when Jesse was kneeling before the throne and he was eating the fruit because he was so weak and he looked up and he could just see the outline of God and the angels going, the great God Jehovah, those cherubims, boy, my God, oh my God. And he saw, and he said the hum of their wings. I mean, that changed the way you think, buddy. And he sees this huge angel going around crying, the great God, Jehovah, the great God, Jehovah. And then he sees God, he couldn't see, he just saw his hands and his feet, and he said, I saw his little finger, his little finger on his, on the thing of his throne, and he said, I saw the little finger go like this, just the slightest, an inch, like that. And as soon as he did that, that huge angel was thrown up against the wall in that holy place and crumpled to the ground. Are you listening, Jenny? He did that for Jesse. Poor angel. I mean, I guess there's a healing covenant for angels too. Or maybe they can't get hurt. I don't know. But I'm saying, Jesse said later, I heard him. He said, God did that for me. God did that to show me. No matter how amazingly awesome things are, the slightest movement can obliterate a galaxy. This is God. And he said, my God is going to fight. Not have a board meeting. Not have a sit-down chat. My God is going to fight for you. I hold this close to my heart, Greg. Because as long as I am fighting in my faith, and as long as I stay close where God's planted me, I have a right to demand based on the holiness of his eternal word. And he says, nothing, things will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It is eternal. I have an eternity to stand on this word and say, if I use my faith and I stay planted where I'm supposed to be, you are obligated to fight for me, to come in power for me, to defend me, to help me, to prosper me, to protect me. You have to do it because I'm in faith and I'm in unity. Can you remember these three simple things? There is a great work and it is large. Do not judge it by the size of this congregation. Judge it by the word of the Lord. The Lord said a glory center is coming and my glory will be in that place. 
and let the politicians come, God will smite them at the door. And I don't mean kill them, I mean knock them out. Knock the devils out of them so they can get saved. Let the witches come and be frozen up against the wall. <laughs> oh, Jesus, my God. The main witch in the region of, the, I'll close with this region of David Hogan, the main witch that was attacking him. She dedicated her son at birth on the altar to Satan. She raised him to be a warlock in dark, deep black magic. But David got to hold of that boy and started preaching the gospel to him. And that warlock son became born again. Born again. And he said, but I've got devils. I know there's devils in me because of what my mother has done. So David says, well, come. We'll call a few elders of the church and we'll cast it out of you. So they come. And he comes. And he stands there. Now, I know you don't believe this because people don't believe. They don't know what really happens in the real world because of your your bubble that you're living in here. But witches really do fly on brooms. I know people don't believe that stuff. But in Africa, in Swaziland, there's so many witches flying that they have to adjust flight paths. And that's documented in the newspaper in South Africa. They do these demonic ceremonies. They have to ride a pig naked. And after they do certain things, the power demons come into them and cause them to levitate and they can actually fly. But they have to have some kind of a wood branch of some kind with them, otherwise they can't do it. Do you think these, 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 these little stories that, that you hear, you, you, there's always something in the origin that's true, but Hollywood and, and Walt Disney has made it so palatable that you see the little witch on her broom and go, oh yeah, that's a very, actually no, it's not. It's actually very real and it happens in Swaziland right now. And in Mexico, it happens as well. And they can see the witches flying at night. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say there's a real devil out there. Just because you live in your little bubble, that doesn't mean that there's not real stuff out there in the real world. That woman heard what David Hogan was trying to mess with her next generation. And she showed up on the broom. He saw her coming. <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but she saw her coming. She coming down. She landed. She did a landing. A nice landing, he said. Perfect landing. He, she landed right there in front of him and started to curse by her gods. And David just said, shut up in Jesus' name. Your son has a will and he's asked to be free. And he said, now I command you in Jesus' name. You come out of him. My God, Greg. He said, word, no word of a lie. He said, that boy fell down on the floor and started to levitate and bounce like a basketball. His, his whole body was rigid and he started going boom, 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 about up to his waist. Ding, 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 ding. In front of all the pastors. And as he's doing it, demons are coming out of him. Why did God do it that way? I have no idea. But he bounced like a basketball in front of his witch mother as the demons came out. And he stood up free, filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. And he said, Mama, this is the only way. Our God, our God, not, not David's God, our God, because now he's born again, has more power than anything you've ever imagined. You need to give your heart to him. She was so angry, she got back on that thing and she took off lying. I don't know whatever happened to her, if she ever got saved or not. But that boy is a pastor today. Given to be a warlock. I just tell you some of these because in the Canadian society, we're so sheltered. We're so sheltered. There's a real devil. There's real power of darkness. But and that's not what I'm glorifying. I'm glorifying that there's a real God. 
with all her spells and incantations and all her nonsense, one word from a man of God, shut up in Jesus. And Jesus said to tell the devils to be quiet. And that deliverance came forth. What I'm trying to say to you is it doesn't matter what we face, political pressure, doesn't matter what we face financially, doesn't matter what we face with attacks, delays, doesn't matter the government, doesn't matter COVID, doesn't matter this, it doesn't matter. If we will just stay in faith, if we will just stay close where God planted us, God himself will come and fight for us. Hallelujah. And his power. There's going to be those. I don't know about that stuff, Taylor. I mean, if they bounce like a basketball, I'll be very impressed. But I'm not looking for manifestations, but I'm telling you, there will be demons come out in that glory center. You put the glory of God in a room and bring in people that are totally possessed and taken over. Watch what happens with the interaction of great darkness and great light. Light always wins. But it's going to be a show. Personally, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these interactions. Because Toronto is filled with darkness. And just, and and listen, not just that, a lot of Christians are full of demon religious spirits. Some Christians sin just as much as sinners do. Shouldn't be the case. But you put that kind of glorious atmosphere and you get people walking on off the streets. Every Sunday is going to be an experience. It's going to be exciting to watch as this revival ramps itself up. As we see the day approaching, and we know Jesus is coming, can you imagine what that glory center is going to see? The souls saved, the bodies healed, the demons that come out. We have a great future. But remember, you've got to fight. You've got to stay. When the trumpet calls, I'm blowing it. Obey, stay close, and God himself will come and deliver us. He will help your business. He'll help your children. He'll help whatever it is that you're facing. He will come with his power, and he will make sure that you come out on top. And Jenny, he'll make sure this church comes out on top. Hallelujah. I feel that anointing lifting. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you. It was a totally different flow today, Father. And I'm just going to trust you that the words spoken and all the things spoken Corrective words, encouraging words, exhorting words, edifying words, rebuking words. I thank you that they land right in the hearts of the people and that they would understand my heart is not to try to take advantage of anybody. It's to train them so that they can reign in this life and so that they have fruit to remain. We give you praise and we give you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. We are building a wall. We have a vision ahead of us. The glory center is coming. We are going to fight and use our faith. We're going to stay planted and connected in unity. And Father, you're going to come in your mighty power and you're going to fight for us and you're going to manifest this for us. You're going to manifest that center for us. You're going to manifest the money these people need so they can sow. You're going to bring in new people, like you said in that prophecy, were people I've never even met that you've been dealing with their hearts. You're going to bring them in. Lord, you're going to make a strong, strong, strong and large local church of promise of life and we're going to have an influence in the city and the glory is going to come to the city because you've been endeavoring to do things for a long time. Father, we're just not better than anybody else. In fact, we're the least likely candidates, but we simply agree and we get out of your way so you can do what you want. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.